<laughs> Thank you, Kim. Good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Daryl, and uh, I came into this community about 11 years ago. I came to the first service, and I went, what? This is amazing, and stuck around for a while and took some classes and went to ministerial school and all kinds of things, and now I get to be here with you all and share some thoughts on sacred service. So I have to, uh, you ever listen to the, to the radio or, or, it happens a lot, I, I appreciate it on NPR, I'm a little bit of an NPR nerd, and if they ever um, misquote something or say something wrong, they come back and they go, last week in our report of blah, 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 we said there were 11 when actually there were 12. So I, I wanted to um, speak to something, the last time I spoke was December 28th, and I had someone kind of call me out on it the other day. And they said, Daryl, the last time you spoke, you said it was really hard to speak at Bodhi. And then you just like went into your talk. Like, I think I get it, but what was that all about? And the thing that's so hard for me to speak here is going into other communities, I kind of, you know, I, I, one of the things I've agreed to is to be the substitute teacher. There's ministers that anchor communities and they need time off. And I really like to support that. So I go to Unity Churches. I go to Centers for Spiritual Living other communities, and I go, and I, I'm the substitute teacher for the Sunday, and speak and deliver a message. But just like the substitute teacher, you leave, and people kind of like just go, oh, okay, that was nice. But here, I don't get to do that, because I've gone to classes with you all. I've served with you all in certain ways. I've done all these things, and so it's, it, it's kind of like you're not kind of. You are my family, so it's like I want to impress you. My ego gets so in the way, and I'm just calling myself out on that. That's what makes it hard for me to talk, um, other than being a nerd and like wanting to like dump 10 or 11 years of my personal study into 20 minutes. I want to, um, my intention is always to activate you in your spiritual practice, to somehow awaken your own awareness to God or spirit or the universe. And it, it, it's not heavy, but it's just something I'm so um, overexcited about a little bit. Um, so that's what makes it hard. So I had to make, just kind of say that statement. It's not hard speaking here. I love speaking here. I love you all, but I get amped up. Like I'm up at 5.30 in the morning on Sunday and I'm like, <clears throat> um, so give me five minutes to get all this energy out of the way here. One of the other things I have to entertain, because I promised some of them that I would, right now I'm teaching a class on Monday nights, um, not too late to join if you want, on, um, called Exploring Roots. And it's looking at Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, Thomas Troward, and Emma Curtis Hopkins, who were three uh, writers that influenced Ernest Holmes, who gave way to writing The Science of Mind. So I said I was going to find some way of incorporating our reading this week into the talk. So take these words in. Take a deep breath. If you've never read Emerson before, it's a little thick. So if you don't get every word, it's okay. What I must do in all that concerns me, not what people think. What I must do is all that concerns me and not what people think. This rule, equally arduous in the actual and in intellectual life, may serve for the whole distinction between greatness and meanness. This is the meat here. 
It is harder because you will always find those who think they know what is your duty better than you know it. Mm -hmm. It is easy in the world to live after the world's opinion. It is easy to live in the world after the world's opinion. It is easy in solitude to live after our own. But the great man or woman is he or she in the midst of the crowd keeps the perfect sweetness the independence of solitude. So basically what, what my man is saying here is it's easy to give way to the, the status quo, to fit in, right? It may be uncomfortable, but that's what the world kind of expects. And then when we're by ourselves, if we're in meditation or prayer or study, we get these, you ever have those great ideas? You're like, man, I got to tell somebody about this. And then you walk out the door and someone says, what, what are you thinking about? And you start to tell them and the idea just starts to go, no. oh, I was just thinking about a great sandwich I could make. <laughs> no, you were talking about a store that you were going to open, a sandwich shop called These Love Sandwiches and people are going to love them up. Anyway, but you go from the space of having these great ideas and then as soon as you step out into the world, they shrink. The great man or the great woman is the one who can keep that vision, keep that excitement, keep that spirit alive in the midst of the crowd, right? And the way, the way that we do that is there's no magic wand that makes us all of a sudden just superhero, like these self-evident, self-actualized people. We find practices to stretch ourselves. And so... The intention of some of these talks at the beginning of this year is to focus on the spiritual practices. What I'm actually going, I'm going to steal a word from the Islamic faith, the pillars. There's five pillars in Islam. There are eight pillars. Oh, there's 10 pillars of Bodhi. One of them we focused on in the beginning of the year, visioning to be in this practice of asking, what is the highest and greatest good for me? What is the highest and greatest good for my relationship? What is the highest and greatest good for my work? What is the highest and greatest good for my physical health? What is the highest and greatest good for anything? But then listening reverently, right? That is a powerful practice. Some of the other practices are affirmative prayer or spiritual mind treatment, meditation, Gratitude, we actually evoked the energy of gratitude wonderfully in song this morning. Forgiveness, the F word for a lot of people, <laughs> where we learn to surrender and let go. Spirit-centered leadership, which is a powerful thing that gets activated in small circles here. Giving, receiving in that space of abundance. And then sacred service. And I want to focus on sacred service today. That's what uh, Lola asked me to speak to. And so I want, I, I may be getting a little bit ahead of myself, but it was this neat little web that Kim pointed out of how today's service came about. And I think it was all in the interest of sacred service. So originally, Lola was going to speak today. But for whatever reason, before she actually knew that her grandmother passed away, we were meeting with Kim to go over some things for education this week. And she's like, Daryl, do you feel like speaking this Sunday? And I was like, Man, I got kind of a full week, but I couldn't say no. So I said, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And then three or four days later came the news that her grandmother passed. And 
this allowed her to be easily in the space of going and being with her family. So there was something about this idea of sacred service revealing a greater um, intention beyond our own intellect that was just materialized in our interaction this week. All right, I got the nerd out of me. Can you take a deep breath with me? All right. Service. The talk title is, Of What Shall We Be in Service? Of What Shall We Be in Service? I want to call into the room the energy and the histories of multiple religious traditions. In Judaism, there is a practice, forgive me if I pronounce it incorrectly, zedaka, where it is this, this spiritual practice of giving. It's a lot like the Christian tithing. It's about giving a percentage back to the community, but in particular, looking for places where there is need and saying, I have enough. Let me give 10% or let me give some percentage. Let me give charity. Let me give of myself. In the uh, world of Islam, Zakat is a charity as well. It's one of, their, th- one of their, their five pillars. It's a third pillar. To consider and call yourself Muslim, you have to give. It's one of the things that they invite you into agreement. You're not here to get your own good. You're here to be in flow. As many of us know that grew up Christian, there is the practice of tithing, of giving 10%. There's this idea of social service, at least in the the denomination that I grew up with my father. It was all about giving back and actually being of service. But there's a specific way um, of sacred service that I want to entertain, and it comes out of the Eastern tradition, some of the Indian or, the, or out of the Hindu tradition. Um, and it's called seva, a word that we've used here before, but if you don't know Sanskrit, which I really don't, um, if you throw that word around, it doesn't mean a whole lot. If you've taken yoga, you may have heard of this word before. It's, it's more of the spiritual and the esoteric practice of yoga. Um, but it is to be of sacred service, to be of selfless service. It is not about what you do. It's rather being a work offered to God. And in many of the Eastern traditions, God is, is it's the polytheism. Everything is God. So if I walk up to a person and give them a hug, I'm being of service to love. If I uh, serve a meal to someone at a homeless shelter, I'm being of service to God. God is in that person, and I am serving God. It is selfless, sacred service. It's not, again, about what you do, but it's more about the intention of what you are serving. So that, le- that led me to the question of what shall we be in service? Now, I realized as I was preparing this talk, again, the nerd in me coming out, you told don't end a sentence with a preposition. <laughs> I like ending sentences with prepositions. <laughs> Dang it. I don't know where that came from, but I do. So initially, I wanted to say, what are we in service of? And then I was like, there's going to be five people out there like, oh, my God, he ended a sentence with a preposition. (laughs) And they're going to shut down and not get the message. So I said, okay, how can I flip this around of what? I still don't even know if this is great grammar, so forgive me. One of the pillars of Bodhi practicing forgiveness. Of what shall we be in service? Of what? Shall we be in service? 
I like to offer questions in talks, especially in talk titles, because I'm not here to tell you what to do. I can't tell you how to live. But what we come together in this community is to activate questions, because in the answers is where we learn how to live. We may get an answer one day and another answer another day, but as long as we keep asking those questions, we literally open the door and create space for spirit to be. Do you feel me on that? So of what shall we be in service? When we are talking about sacred service, when we are talking about uh, being of devotion to God through our work, what are we serving? This is a little bit of my social commentary. I believe today that we are, and this is societal terms, that we are in service of convenience more than anything. Right? I mean, that's literally half of why our technology has come about. It's not a bad thing. I'm not condemning it. I just want to put it out on the table because I became really aware of how much I love convenience. Right? We are in service of trying to do as little as possible but still be as impactful as we can be, which is an awesome thing. What I want to remind us of is that there's something powerful in actually doing the work. There's something powerful in actually sweating. There's something powerful in getting gunk under your fingernails. I often... um, use the analogy of exercise and going to the gym when I'm counseling people and when I'm counseling myself through my own life. You knowing that if you do 30 minutes of cardiovascular work, will do something for your body, doesn't do anything. Actually exercising for 30 minutes does something. So to know, I, 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 I went down the, my nerd hole and was like, what, is, what do philosophical traditions say? I looked at the, the religious side and I was like, what did the philosophical traditions say about being of service? And I just kind of got caught into the swirl. I love it, but I got caught into the swirl of philosophizing. But what I realized is that it was a lot of talk about what service could be or what it couldn't be. And some of those people were actually engaged in giving and being activated in service. But it just reiterated to me that to truly know the power of service, the only way you will ever understand it is to do it. We can say, oh, well, that's not for me because it's, you know, it it, it doesn't match, it it doesn't vibrate with me. Okay, well, that's an intellectual exercise. You don't know if it actually does anything for you until you do it. Yes? Okay. Take another deep breath with me. So Lola did a wonderful thing and gave me the gift of a bunch of questions. She was like, well, so here's what was on my mind if I was talking about it. And initially, I was going to try to find a creative way to weave all of these questions. I said, you know what? I'm just going to take each question and answer it. So here we go. She wrote, here are the brain teasers and questions to answer. Why is sacred service a spiritual practice? Okay. So, seva, going back to that Sanskrit word, known in many Indian religions and part of the spiritual uh, practice of yoga, is sometimes defined as selfless service. It is, it is work offered to God. 
And if God is in all, then serving someone or something in consciousness of devotion, then this is sacred service. Fair enough? Intellectual understanding. Got it. One of the questions that I will throw out to you connected to this is, can you know God even in the most minuscule activity? Intellectually, we can say yes, but have we done it? If you've done it once, can you do it twice? How many of you read or saw the movie Eat, Pray, Love? Right? So uh, what's the author's name? Gilbert? Melissa Gilbert, and then who? I don't know. Elizabeth. Who's Melissa Gilbert? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. All right. Some synapses just connect, connected to something with no reference point. Um, so in that, in that book, she goes on her study, right? And she goes to an ashram, and she's like on the ground scrubbing. That is an example to me. It's one of the actual, this is, this is the sacred service. Could she know God as scrubbing the floor? Right? Now, it probably took more than, oh, I know God now. You sit there and you're screaming like, oh my God, my knees hurt, my back hurts. Why am I doing this? And you go through this whole thing and then there's this, that zero moment where something hits you, boom, and everything stops and you feel connected to the divine. So can you know God even in the most uh, minuscule activity? That is the idea of um, sacred service. Regardless of what you do, if God is in all and as all, then we should be able to know and have an experience of God in, through, and as anything. Okay, then a question came, what, why are spiritual practices important? So this is not only to sacred service, but all practices. Spiritual practices are important because they are exercises. Again, I love to think about the idea of going to the gym. They are exercises that have been designed and given to us for a specific purpose of knowing God in a specific way. I referred to uh, Joel Goldsmith, one of my favorite authors. He has a book called Practicing the Presence, which is about exercising, which is about the actual services of, of being in relationship to the divine. He says, an intellectual knowledge of the fact that God is, is all is of no value. An intellectual knowledge, I'm just reiterating what I said before in someone else's words. An intellectual knowledge of the fact that God is all is of no value. The only value any truth has is in the degree of its realization. Truth realized is spiritual consciousness. Bless you. If we are conscious of the presence of the Lord, or you could say law or love, if we are conscious of the presence of the love, the Lord and the law, if we are conscious of the activity of God, then so it is to us. That's spiritual realization. So that is why spiritual practice to me is important because it is an intentional space that we move into, whether it's prayer, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's meditation, whether it's sacred service, whether it's study. We agree, we consciously move into a space of saying, okay, God, I'm available to know you right now in a way I've never known before. Show me, come to me. Another question. If sacred service is the practice, what is the spiritual principle in back of it? Hmm, I thought that was an interesting one. 
the realization that I came to is that there isn't a specific principle behind the idea of sacred service. I don't believe that there is a single principle. Rather, all spiritual principles are accessible and available to us through the service, right? So there isn't one idea. It's not like, well, I know the law of attraction when I do this. No, in service, we know the law of attraction. We know the law of love. We know the law of gravity. And we know all the laws in that moment if we make ourselves available to it. Yes? Ah, okay. This is a good one. And we'll speak a little bit to, I think, what Lola wanted me to activate was making you think about your service here. So can I or should I give my time when I don't have enough time? I'm going to take a drink on that one. Can I or should I give my time when I don't have enough time? Answering yes or no to this is going to set me up for failure. It's going to set you up for failure, implying that there is a right or wrong answer. There isn't one. However, there is always time. Hear me. That's all we have. Time doesn't go away. It cycles 24 hours. There's time at 11 o'clock in the morning, and there's time at 11 o'clock at night. There's always time. The question is whether or not we can or we care to make time for our service and make that a priority over something else. There's always time. It's just a matter of how we choose to prioritize it, right? So I'll give an example. This Wednesday, um, I, I have a, a, a day job um, at the Old Town School of Folk Music, and there are X amount of hours that I'm expected to work in a week, um, but we're open seven days a week. So it was one of the reasons why I was attracted to the, to the job, um, not that I wanted to be there seven days a week, but it could allow me to be flexible because there's so many things that I'm interested in. One of the areas that I have said yes to sacred service out in the world, one of the things that I'm passionate about is compassion, about understanding and loving people unconditionally. One of the areas that causes lots of pain for me in my human experience is war. One of the experiences that causes a lot of pain for me is words of bigotry. One of the things that causes a lot of pain for me are just words of deceit and outright and outlandish um, hatred. And that happens a lot in the religious world, doesn't it not? So there's an organization that, it's called Poetry Pals, and they bring together, they, they, they hit them before they're teenagers, although I love teens and they're still like, cultivation in their consciousness, but to get even younger, they bring together Christian boys and girls, Jewish boys and girls, and Muslim boys and girls. And they play. They write poetry. They tell stories. They get creative, and they see their differences, and they celebrate them. That's something that, to me, is... I may not know the experience of it now, but to me, that's my paying it forward. That is a way that I choose to be of service. Now, I've got this job, 
I'm going to get to the point of my story in a minute. I've got this job where I go to work anywhere between 9 and 8, depending upon the day. And the director of uh, Poetry Palace said, hey, Daryl, can you come? It'd be great for you to be there as Reverend Daryl and just talk about God and spirit and it not be this denominational thing. Um, but the program's from 9 until 1230. And I heard my head start to go into this thing. We'll have to see if I have time. And I, that was my answer. And then as I went back into looking at my calendar and, 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 and being of service, so what I chose to be in service of is truth. What I choose to be in service of is um, patience and compassion. And if I want to be of service of that, then I have to make time for it, right? There was nothing that was ever going to happen in my schedule, by my job, by my relationship with my girlfriend, by my friends, by my family. None of them were going to make the choice or the decision for me to make space in my schedule to go to this event Wednesday morning. It was me. And so finally I said, you know what? I've, I've got flexible hours. It's really important to me. I want to be of service to compassion, and the only way I will make myself of service to compassion is if I make myself of service to compassion. And so I did. So Wednesday morning, I will be going and, and, and being with these kids, but I'm the one. God in me made the choice and agreement to be in alignment with what I was in service of. I wanted to be in service of compassion. The only way I was in service of it was to make time for it. So can I or should I give of my time when I don't have enough time? The idea that we don't have enough, to me, I would love to use an expletive right now, but it is bull. It is simply a matter of priority. Can you feel that? All right. Looking at time. All right, I won't, I'll answer a couple of more here. <clears throat> Mm. Okay, I give my treasure generously at Bodhi. I carry my weight. I don't think I need to serve. That's what people do who can't afford to give. Yikes. So my question to that is, are we willing to allow someone else's journey be their journey? As long as you're giving and being of service and transforming yourself, then it's enough. And if it is through giving through the actual tangible giving of money and you don't want to serve in hours, then so be it. There's no one. No one can possibly judge and tell you what you should or shouldn't do. Should. That's a word, man. Be careful with your shoulding, even upon yourself, and probably most importantly, upon yourself. I should on myself every day. I hugged someone this morning like, ooh, you smell good. It's like, because I should have myself this morning. I had to brave. But that's what we're here to do. We're cleaning ourselves off of the shoulds. There's no right or wrong in terms of how you serve. The most important thing uh, Lola wrote, and I've heard some other people say, is that serving transforms the servant. If you are being transformed in some way, if your consciousness is being shifted, if you are being awakened to a component of the divine in a new way, then you are being of service. If you are going and doing something and you're sitting there watching the clock for it to end and you're saying yes to this activity out of obligation, 
that's not the type of service that we're inviting you into here. That really doesn't help anyone. I want to, uh, I said I would call her out. I don't think she's in here. Is Alice Gray here? She's with the teens. Okay. So she came up to me today. That's, well, that's why I'm going to call her out. I told her I was going to talk about her in service today. She's like, are you going to talk about how awesome I am? I said, of course. <laughs> of course. So she came up to me before service and gave me a hug. She's like, I'm sorry I'm not going to hear your talk, but I'm serving in the, with the teens today. And then she said these words, it's good for me. It's good for me. So if, if, if you're serving that really deep, selfless space, it's not only something that you're giving to others, but it's good for you. And, and, and it's so good for you that you will supersede and say no to things like being in service in this room for the greater good. One of the, one of the fundamental principles that I, I believe sacred service calls us into question about is sufficiency. Is there enough time? Do I have enough money? Do I have enough energy? Most of the time we answer no. True. Thank you for being honest. I know I do. I am a living, experiencing human being of convenience. But if I choose to be of service to something, if I really believe that there is more than enough time, that there's more than enough energy, that there's more than enough good, there's more than enough God for everyone, that I will start to be in relationship with the things that I say yes and no to in a powerful way, that when I show up and express and expand in them, I'll make statements like Alice Gray. Wow, this was good for me. And chances are all the people that are standing around me that are activating with me, they're exercising with me, are doing whatever practice with me, they're having that same experience too. So we're feeding one another. We're amplifying the good. Last one. <clears throat> I'm experiencing heartache in my marriage, in my finances, in my career, or in my health. How will the practice of serving impact that? Another beverage. Have you ever um, watched a dog clamp down on something? It's just like, and it just won't let it go. Do you ever have that experience about something in your life? Someone in this room right now is so locked down on the state of their romantic relationship. There's no space to see anything other than the pain that is there. Someone in this room right now is so caught up in looking at the zeros or maybe the line of nothing in their bank account and they won't let go of seeing that right in front of them that they can't see or possibly know anything else. Someone is so caught up in the state of their body and the way it looks or feels, what the doctors are telling them or not telling them about their body, they're so tight. Oh, my God, they said I got to do this. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I can't let this go. They're holding so tight they can't see anything else. It's not the end-all, be-all, but I do believe when we go into a space of selfless service, it opens the door. It creates space where you get lost for a minute in someone else. You get lost in another activity. All of a sudden, there's this, like, 
this opening that takes place. It's not so tight. You let go and your muscles go, oh. And you may actually see something that's standing right beside you. How many people have you heard tell a story, and I'll I'll end with this one, um, uh, where they were like, oh, you know, I've been wanting to be in a relationship for so long, and I was doing this and doing that, and finally I said, F it, screw it, forget it. I'm just going to go do this. I'm going to go serve here. I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to go do this thing. And then all of a sudden, so-and-so walked in the room. When they said F it, that was the space of letting go of that, that tight hold. And I think there's something about service that allows us to say F it without us consciously choosing that. It just, it's the same thing. It puts a wedge in. It creates a little bit of space. So what, what shall we, I'm going to use my preposition here. What shall we be in service of? <laughs> or of what shall we be in service? That to me is the most important question. And that is what I want to invite you into practice around today. I'm going to invite the, the band up. We're going to move into prayer in a minute. But um, when I was inviting some friends and family um, to come hear me talk today, I put a, a, an, an invite on Facebook. And I put a quote as the picture, and it said, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted, and behold, service was joy. The most important word there is I acted, right? It wasn't this intellectual thing to sit there and go, oh, I slept and I dreamt of life being joy. It's so fantastic. That's what it is. Then they opened their eyes and saw that it was a little something different, but then realized in their action, it was the joy that they dreamt. Now, I I don't say that to, to make it seem magical. Anytime I do a counseling session with someone, anytime I start a class, anytime I do anything, if it's a meeting even, I will ask for a moment of silence and say, what is the intention? What do we intend? What does spirit intend for us in this experience? So my question to you is, what does spirit intend for you in service? Is it to have an understanding of love? Is it to have an understanding of peace? Is it to have an understanding of joy? Is it to have an understanding of creativity? Then it doesn't matter what you do. The most important thing is that you show up as a space of love, as a space of creativity, whether it's scrubbing the floors, whether it is setting up this room for another function, whether it's serving in the teens, whether it's burping a baby during service, whether it's helping to uh, create food for people to snack on and have coffee afterwards, whether it's coming here and sweeping after an event so that we can have a clean space, whatever it may be, what is your intention? What do you intend to experience as your service? And I I guarantee if you get in lockstep, if you get clear with what that intention is, it will come to pass. Yes? So I invite you to take a deep breath in. Close your eyes.
I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. What do you want your service to be? Joy? Creativity? Freedom? There's a great song by Ricky Byers Beckwith that Martin is playing right now. I want you to hear the words of it. It asks the question, how can I serve today? And that's what we're going to move into our moment of meditation, listening, listening for the answer to that question. How can I serve today, sweet spirit? How can I serve today, oh Lord? Speak in ways that I can understand. Where you lead me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I will go. How can I serve today, sweet spirit? How can I serve today, oh Lord? Speak in ways that I will understand. Where you lead me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I will go. How can you serve today? Breathe into that question and listen and follow. What I know without a doubt is there there is a power and presence. That is expressing, that is moving, burgeoning into our experience. It is the power and presence of love. It is the power and presence of truth, of creativity, of freedom, abundance, love, loyalty, trust, amazingness, awesomeness. 
vitality. This is what I know and recognize God to be. You may call it God. You may call it it. You may call it silence. You may call it mother, father. I don't care as long as we name it and recognize that it is what flows through all existence, through my life and through your life. It is one with all of us and as all of us. And let us ask this question over and over again. How can I serve today? Of what shall I be of service? In our relationships, be they familial, friendship, or romantic, in our work, whether it is work that we are paid for or work that we offer out of the goodness of our heart, what shall we be in service of Of what shall we serve with our children? Of what shall we serve in our education? Of what shall we serve in our politics? Of what shall we serve in the food that we choose to ingest? How can you serve today? How can you serve the spirit, the law of love and truth and power and compassion as your very life? The only answer I know is to live it each day, each week, each month, each year. And so what I am grateful for here and now is for the living expression of service as your life and as my life, as we come together as this spiritual community, as we come together in the communities outside of these doors, let the spirit of love be that which guides and directs us powerfully and passionately. Breathe into this. And so we activate thanksgiving and gratitude, that generative energy and vibration here and now. Thankful for the fulfillment of this already. And so we surrender to it, allow it to be, to express in and as our lives with grace and ease. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to share with you this morning. Reverend Daryl Jones.